welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. We're going to jump straight in. Are you ready? If you weren't here this morning, we uh, today uh, are bringing before God things that need to be put on the altar of surrender. Uh, it's great to have this fire pit up here this this afternoon that's just filled with, I don't know, there's probably well over 100 prayers and confessions in there. Some of them in envelopes, some of them not. Uh, and after this service, we're going to finish a little early and head out the back to where we've got a fire that's already lit and we're going to bring them before, the God, before God in faith and expect that He will answer by fire in our lives. What's out there is symbolic. But what we're doing before God is not symbolic. It's an act of our faith and we believe it's going to open a door for God to move powerfully in our lives. This morning I mentioned that God's ultimate plan for our life is not forgiveness. If you think the ultimate plan of God for your life is forgiveness of sins, you've missed the mark. His ultimate plan for your life is the blessing, the blessed life. And forgiveness is essential. I love what we heard over communion. But we've got to understand that God called us to be a triumphant people, a triumphant church, a victorious church. And we're not going to be a victorious church if we don't become victorious followers of Christ. So anything that's trying to weigh us down, anything that's trying to hold us back is stopping us from moving into the full freedom that God has for us. Going to read a bit of Scripture. Are you ready to go? Not too many responses. Are you ready to go? Yes. I want to start in Isaiah chapter 1. I'm going to read a fair bit of that first chapter. I want to talk to you about Breaking Bad tonight. Are you ready? Uh, these are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw these visions during the years when, Jude, uh, when Uzziah and Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. It's a message to rebellious Judah. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner and a donkey recognises its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognise my care for them. How much does that line up with what Bobby brought around communion about apathy and familiarity? Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. You are battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, welts and infected wounds, without any soothing ointments or bandages. Let me pause there for a moment. I'm not saying for a moment that this is a message from God to you right now. This is going to give you context to where the church was at back in that time. And you'll be able to see how God dealt with His rebellious and sick children. You're battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, welts and infected wounds without any soothing ointments or bandages. Your country lies in ruins and your towns are burned. Foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes and destroy everything they see. Beautiful Jerusalem stands abandoned like a watchman's shelter in a vineyard, like a lean-to in a cucumber field after the harvest, like a helpless city under siege. If the Lord of heaven's army had not spared a few of us, we would have been wiped out like Sodom, destroyed like Gomorrah. Listen to the Lord. 
you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and, f- and fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop. Somebody say stop. Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and Sabbath and your special days of fasting, they're all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new, new, your new moon celebrations and your annual conferences. You're a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer my many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with blood, the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Okay, so the first 18 verses are pretty tough, don't you think? In your face, God dealing with this, that, next thing. And then God says, come on, let's deal with it. New King James translation says, come Let's reason together. Verse 19, 18. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you'll only obey me, you'll have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. Have spoken. Can I talk to you about spiritual warfare? Here is one of the most significant accounts of the people of God being offside with God. They're in sin. And God hits them between the eyes on the issues. He speaks out judgment and said, if you don't do this, I'm bringing that. And then immediately He comes in with His grace. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says, uh, where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. I think it's one of the hardest verses of Scripture to understand in the New Testament because some people think that we shouldn't express it too much because it will give people uh, a licence to sin. It will cause them to not kind of be conscious about living righteous lives. But actually the Scripture says where sin is binding a person, the grace of God is more powerful than the binding power of sin. Where sin abounds, grace always overflows at a greater level. It needs to be said today because out there in social media world, out there in crazy Christian world today, we have people bringing things into our world in thought, form and teaching that is so far away from what the Bible actually teaches that someone's got to talk to us and bring it back online. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about spiritual warfare. I want to talk to you tonight about judgment. Judgment is the one thing that the New Testament believer has to get out of their life. 
Judgment is the one thing that we can't afford to engage in with ourselves or with anyone else. I love the whole deal going on right now with Kanye West and, and all the crazies trying to kind of uh, see if he's saved or not. I don't know if they've been reading their Bible, but my Bible tells me I can't even decide myself if he's saved because it's not my job, I'm not God. I watched one, one short interview this afternoon and I love the guy's response. He says, really, I'm not even gonna think about judging where Kanye is at because I'm too busy dealing with the log in my own eye. He said, really, we've been praying for uh, rich people and influential people to come to Christ so they can use their influence to preach the Gospel. Now some guy's doing it and all people seem to wanna do is judge him. When it comes to spiritual warfare, Tonight we are engaging in spiritual warfare. In fact, this morning we were engaging in spiritual warfare. As far as I remember last weekend in both morning and night, we were dealing with spiritual warfare because you know what one of the greatest actions in spiritual warfare is? It's not flying around in a plane taking dominion over spirits that sit over a city or a nation. Oh my gosh, have we lost our minds? We had to be taught out of that 25 years ago and it seems that some people need to be taught out of it again. One of the greatest things we can do in spiritual warfare is look after this. Thank you for your positive response. And so as we look at it tonight, I want to look at it from a Bible sense. Number one, we've got to deal with ignorance. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Do you know there are things that the enemy wants to use to get you to trip up and to fall? In 1 Peter chapter 5, we're told to stay alert. The enemy uses the same old trick. The enemy has nothing new. Excuse me for a moment. I'm going to use a word that will just save me a whole bunch of sentences. But the enemy has nothing new. He uses the same old crap. Deception, lies and wickedness. Wickedness by definition is to take some truth, twist it so he can get you to eat it and then bring it into your life and now He's got you locked. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Take note, he's like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. If he is, he's got no teeth. Stand firm against Him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Here's some legitimate spiritual warfare for all of us to take note on. We have an adversary. His name is the devil. You are in the army of the Lord, but you're not fighting to win. You are in the army of the Lord but you're not fighting to win. Jesus has already defeated the devil on the cross 2,000 years ago. He stripped him of rights and authority. He took the keys to death, hell and the grave. The war has already been won. We take our stand on the Word against a defeated foe. We are an army, but we're not an army at war. We're an army that's been called to occupy. Jesus said, occupy until I come. The war has been won. It is my job to occupy what God has brought for me to enforce the victory that has already taken place. And so as we do that, we do need to tear down strongholds. 
but they're not there in the atmosphere. They're not sitting over a city. They're not sitting over a nation. They're actually in the people, within the city, within the nation. It's in the thinking. In Luke chapter 19, verse 30, is the reference where it says in the King James that we should occupy until I come. Some of the latest English translations say do business. I like the thought of that, that when I'm coming against the enemy, I'm actually just called to occupy or do business against him because the victory has already been established by Christ for us. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5 clearly says that strongholds are thoughts and imaginations in our minds that we need to take captive in the minds of believers. We need to prevent the devil's lies from making strongholds in our own minds. Believers who don't use this word to establish truth, allow the devil to build strongholds in their minds through deception. The Word of God is the spiritual force that will overcome the enemy every single time. So we need to close the door and keep it closed. Remember the three access points of the enemy from last week. Number one was apathy. We simply do not stand up in the authority that we've been given. Number two is ignorance. And ignorance is not bliss that can kill you. But the Bible says we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And number three is an open door. An open door for wrong thinking. An open door for wrong thoughts, wrong believing, and wrong speaking, wrong thoughts, believing and speaking will open a door for the enemy to have his way. In fact, many times, if you look at the account in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, the Bible says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. It's not even talking about the devil. If you've got wrong thinking, wrong believing and wrong speaking, negative will come into your world and the devil doesn't even need to be involved. I think sometimes we're giving the devil glory for messing up our lives and he hasn't even been involved. It's just been wrong thinking, wrong believing, wrong speaking. We cannot stress enough in the house of God how important it is that we speak the right things out of our mouth because the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue and those who know it will eat its fruit. And so often people say, oh, the devil's been messing up with my head. I've met some people, Pastor, would you help me? I'm not sure. I heard that message on this and I want to know if it's this or this. And you kind of have a conversation and go, "Mm, probably not. Probably not the devil. Probably just need to shift this, change this, and everything out here will change. We've got to close the door. The other open door, because those of us that have not spent enough time growing into what the Word says, we think there's only one sin that the enemy, uh, that God cannot forgive. But we're smarter than that, aren't we? We've been taught better than that. It's not just blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that God can't forgive. It's also unconfessed sin. Every unconfessed sin is God is unable to forgive. That's why He says, confess your sins that you may be forgiven. Yeah? That went down really well. He said, yeah, I knew that, Pastor. I had it all on lock. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul speaking to believers again, he says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith. Um, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciousness and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. How did Paul tell Timothy to fight in the Lord's battle? By clinging to his faith in Christ and keeping their conscience clear. How powerful is that? That's an engagement in spiritual warfare. You know what he didn't tell them to do? He didn't tell them to pull strongholds down over the cities and nations. They're not over cities and nations. They're in the minds of people within the cities and the nations. We do come up against principalities and powers. Generally speaking, it's within the minds of a group of people, not in an atmosphere. There's also a war that James speaks about in James chapter 4. I'm going to call it the war of unrestrained flesh. Where do do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You last and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not pray. You do not have because you do not pray. All over today, in fact, I think it started Friday night, people started to write out prayers and confessions to put in here. The fire that we got lit out the back was lit by us. But I'm believing that when we go out there after this service tonight, that a fire is going to be lit from heaven in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, that's going to transform everything. Many of us have been baptised in the Holy Spirit, but Jesus said we're going to get baptised in the Holy Spirit and fire. I believe the fire of God is going to come and burn off bondages and remove them from our lives. I started to read the open prayers and confessions that were put into the box. Most of them are in envelopes. Not going to bring any names. I've made a covenant of confidence with every member of my church. But here are some things that people are believing God for. For a marriage to be restored. For a sister to be healed of cancer. For pride, self-centeredness and critical thinking to be removed. That's powerful, don't you think? for overspending to be removed from my life, from a release from resentment and burden of death, for my wife's faith and walk with God, for gossip to be removed, for mental health to be restored, for anxiety to go, for rejection and anger to go. How powerful is that? They are just some of the things, and I know there's a whole lot more in here tonight. If you've not yet had a chance, there are tables up the front and up the back where you can privately go and write those things out before the Lord. I do believe that when we bring them before the Lord today, when you bring them before God, something significant is gonna shift in your world. Do you need to repent? Do you need to repent of any area of disobedience? 
Do you need to repent of sin, of secret sin, of cyclical sin? Just the cycle of making the same sin mistakes over and over again. Of wrong thinking, wrong believing and wrong speaking. I know that I've had to repent of those things recently that you just kind of let this thought there that you know that shouldn't stay. You just let it sit there and you think it'll be okay. But you know what? The longer you let it stay, sooner or later it has an influence on you and you find it popping out of your mouth in words. And as it pops out in words, it begins to get life. And then you've got to do the work to turn it all around. And one of the key works is a work of confession. Do you need to repent of bad choices, of carnality? Just making sure I'm looking at everyone because after services like this, it felt like you were talking just at me. Well, really I was, but you just happened to be one of the me's in an entire room of 120 me's. I'm grounding it here as the team comes to join me. Do you need to repent of those kinds of things? Are there some bad habits that just need to go? It's not necessarily sin. I'm actually wearing this vest because in Hebrews chapter 12, it says something really significant that there's some things that we need to drop off of our lives that will hinder us and cause us to trip up and fall. And it's not even sin. It's just a weight. Do you need to release some regrets? Release some mistakes or disappointments? Do you need to release somebody that sinned against you? And don't jump too quick to that conclusion. Yeah, that's what it is. I've got to forgive that person that sinned against them. Well, can I just suggest this right here? Maybe they didn't sin against you. Maybe it was just something you imagined in your mind because of an insecurity or because of misunderstanding. Maybe it's not even a sin against you that they've committed. It's just a shift of your mind and to establish in your mind that you would think the best of every person and not jump to conclusions. Finally, And one of the key things for tonight, it's time to surrender the heavy stuff. If you look to the screen or if you've got your Bible open, Hebrews 12 and verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. The Passion Translation says, We must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Let us strip off every weight that, has, that slows us down and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Is it a weight of debt that need, you need to be released from? It could be a financial debt and I'm not saying for a moment, I'm not suggesting for a moment that this is some magic trick you can play in your financial world and regardless of wrong spending now and in the future, you can just come to a moment like this and bang, it all changes. At the same time, there are people that will have that experience because you've made this commitment. God, I'm gonna stop this bad habit of overspending. I'm sorry for the mistake I made in my financial world. Forgive me, release me, help me to move forward from this point with wisdom and understanding. Are there some unfulfilled promises of God in your world that are a weight that's weighing you down? I'd encourage you to put it on your prayer request and confession and then put the promise of God back in His hands. Trust Him who is the faithful one that can 
fulfil it and bring it to pass in your life. I'm hoping tonight, before you leave this building, before we leave the fire, that you actually get a chance to hold this vest for a moment. Not to put it on, we don't have time for that. But it was a word that God spoke to me tonight as people fail to understand the spiritual weight they put on themselves when they carry things they're not meant to carry. When you carry sin, guilt, shame, disappointment. Because it happens slowly, day by day. It's kind of like putting on a bit of weight. It doesn't happen overnight, although some of us think it does. It just little by little. A little bit of disappointment, a little bit of hurt, a little bad habit. And all of a sudden we get used to, what was the word you used? Communion. We get familiar with that little bit more and that little bit more. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.